Parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. If you or someone you know is having thoughts of suicide, please call the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 1-800-273-8255 to be connected with someone in your area. Life was being turned upside down for Crystal Howell. What should have been fun teenage years spent stressing over homework, sleepovers with girlfriends, and gossiping about the latest boy crush. For Crystal... It was a time of family turmoil from a bitter divorce, alleged sexual abuse at the hands of her uncle, and boiling rage coming at her from all angles that was beginning to devour and swallow the teen. Still living in Maggie Valley, North Carolina, Crystal had a scary incident when she was hit by a car at school. No injuries, but her dad was livid over the medical bills. On another incident, when she ran away and asked police for help, she says her dad scolded her by pouring boiling water down her throat for snitching. While Michael Howell's discipline tactics were frightening and abusive, his actions were about to take a drastic and alarming turn. One day he takes me to this flea market, and there's all this cool stuff like sunglasses and these like little shirts and stuff. So I'm like, oh, cool. But I'm following my dad, not really sure where to go because it's kind of a big place. Like there's a lot of different sections. So I'm following him and he, he seems like he's been here a lot. Like he knows where he's going. So, okay, I'm going to follow him. And he goes, it was a man. Um, he had a gun, a, a long shotgun. And my dad gets him the money for it. Like, I feel like they had talked about it before because my dad wasn't looking at specific guns like it was this one gun. And my dad buys it, and the guy gets him a box of shotgun shells, and we leave. And I'm like, what do what you got this gun for? Like, I don't understand. And, and I'm not hunting if that's what he thinks this is. Like, I'm not killing animals. That's not going down. And so we're driving... He pulls up to this produce stand, and he's like, pick three pumpkins. And I was like, there's only two of us, so why do we need three pumpkins? Like, I don't get it. And he's like, just don't ask me questions, just pick three pumpkins. So we put him in the car, and I'm thinking we're going to go home. Like, I don't know what's going on, but he drives past the driveway, and that's when I realized we're going to this camping spot that we always go to at the top of the mountain. And, um... It's not like an actual camping spot that people know about. It's just like this big meadow, and there's like a little pond, and it's just a it's just a pretty place. Like it's beautiful. We're out of the car, and my dad's talking to me, and he tells me like I can tell something's up about you, but instantly afterward he's like, I know this stuff with your mom is hard, and with this new guy moving into my house, and I'm not there anymore, and I know it's probably been difficult for you. You need to kind of let the past go, release the stress. Um, he's talking just like, he sounded like he's reciting out of like a self-help book. 
it's not like my dad at all. So I'm just like, you know, weird. But I'm going with it because I'm like, okay, cool. We have to release some stress. And my dad was like, like, tell me how you feel about her. And I was, I was like, what? And he just like screams. He's like, like this. And he screams off the mountain. He screams, fuck her off the mountain. And, you know, I'm a kid, so I'm thinking this is funny. Like, my dad doesn't cuss like that. So it's just, it's a weird to hear him say the F word. And I was like, okay, I'm going to try. Like, my dad's giving me permission to cuss. Cool. So I screamed, fuck her. She's a homewrecking whore off the mountain. And I'm laughing. And my dad's like, all right, now time for part two. And so he's got these pumpkins set out in the meadow. And he grabs the gun out of the back seat. And he's like, all right, time for target practice. And I was like, okay, cool. I've never shot a gun before, so I'm feeling like on the edge, like I'm doing something risky. And he told me, like, don't make sure you keep the gun pointing at the ground. Like, don't ever point the gun at anything you don't intend to shoot. So I'm just trying to, I'm nervous. Like, I don't know what to do or how to hold this thing. And so we get everything situated, and he told me, Okay, one pumpkin's your mom, one pumpkin's your stepdad, and one pumpkin's your sister. So I'm shooting each of these pumpkins, and I'm just having these like specific scenarios play out in my head, like of things that I would say to my family if I was braver, or if I knew they would listen, or if I even knew how to say them in the first place. So you would say those things in your head, and then just uh, fire off at the pumpkins. Yeah, like, I'd ask my mom, like, in my head, like, I'm like, well, why didn't you protect me? And to my stepdad, it was, you're just as guilty as she is because you stood there and heard me talk about what happened to me and you didn't do anything. And then the thoughts that I, I guess, sent out to my uncle through my brainwaves or whatever were um, more detailed because that's who I'm really pissed off at. Like, I trusted you and you took that trust and mangled it like everything in my life I'm beginning to second guess because I didn't realize it had as much of an impact on me because I'm thinking I'm fine I'm fine I'm fine and I kept telling myself that that I'm not realizing these small things that the abuse had done to me The impromptu shooting lesson in the woods wouldn't be the last time Crystal Howell picked up the shotgun the last time would land her in prison I'm Melissa McCarty. And I'm Kelly McClear. We are Emmy-nominated investigative journalists, and we've been talking to Crystal Howell since her dad's murder in 2014. Eight years after Michael Howell's murder at 25 years old, Crystal is telling her story. We bring you the exclusive series, Killing Dad, A First-Degree Mistake. Michael Howell's mood swings were becoming more erratic, which was evident from the target practice where he told Crystal to pretend the pumpkins were her family. Crystal was hoping a much-needed heart-to-heart with her dad would change their relationship for the better, but the outcome was not what she was hoping for. Together on the porch amongst the shadow of the Great Smoky Mountains, the sun was setting, almost as an omen for what was to come. I asked 
and like when did it stop being us versus them to us versus each other and he didn't really say anything sometimes silence is almost as deafening as screams but instead michael led with action he um enrolled me in this place it was called broad hill it was like a a group home and he told me like i'm gonna put you here just so you can work on yourself we can figure it out and on the inside though, I'm thinking maybe maybe he knows what's going on. Maybe he wants to need some space to work on himself. Like maybe this is the turning point. The Broyhill Baptist Children's Home with the slogan of sharing hope, changing lives is a faith-based treatment facility. Crystal remembers her time there. I was not very religious because I kind of followed my dad's belief that, you know, God was a real and whatever. So it's kind of weird being around all these people and having to go to church all the time. I liked the kids that were there. Like, I got along with everybody. But it was definitely, my dad and my relationship was definitely a different dynamic. Like, he started, I don't know, he was just a lot, he seemed a lot healthier mentally now that we were apart. The old saying, absence makes the heart grow fonder, was perhaps what Crystal and her dad needed to both work on themselves and the relationship. But it turns out those hopes would be fleeting. Crystal had a lot of work to do while at the children's home, and so did her dad. Was therapy the answer and the healing time apart they needed? Any kid wants to be with their parents, so like they don't want to be at this place, which feels kind of like a punishment, even though, like I said, it wasn't a bad place, but still to be kind of exiled, I guess. And you're trying to figure out what's wrong with me that my mom's not fighting for me to stay with her, my dad's not fighting for me to stay with him. I guess more so, at this point, I'm blaming myself, like, what's wrong with me? Because at all angles in my life, like, like I said, at this point, I'm kind of doing some therapy and stuff for school. And the words I keep hearing are troubled teenager. She's a troubled teenager. She just can't get it right. So I'm viewing myself as this troubled teenager. And I'm trying to figure out what I can do on one hand to do to make that right. And on the other hand, I'm kind of rebelling against that because in my mind, I'm like, well, they're saying I'm this thing anyway. Why don't I just become it? After months at the Broyhill Baptist Children's Home, Crystal had to make a tough decision. So I was there about eight months, and I was a caseworker type person, and she's seen a change in me. You know, I'm doing better. I'm not, my grades aren't slipping. I'm kind of on the right path at this point. So they're like, let's see if we can transition her out back home, see how that goes. And I am given the choice because my parents had joint custody. So... I chose to go with my mom at this point because during the home visits and stuff, I had been in communication with Tyler. So that was my main reason for going back to Georgia, honestly. But I know also that the home environment is going to be different. My uncle's not staying with my mom anymore. So I'm thinking, well, maybe I can go here, see how this goes. If it doesn't work out, I can just come back. Because like I said, my dad was showing those significant differences, so I'm thinking that things could be different this time. Crystal leaves North Carolina with the hopes that her dad will continue to take care of his own mental health, 
In the meantime, she's looking forward to reconnecting with her mom, Christina, and reuniting with her boyfriend, Tyler, back in Augusta, Georgia. I remember when she came back, she had to beg to come back to live here. And I remember that. And her mom, uh, you know, finally agreed and let her come back. So this is another fresh start for me. So I'm trying to do things right this time. So I tell my mom, like, I've got a boyfriend. Like, I've been talking to him online, like, while I've been gone. And it's the guy from before. Like, I, I would like to see him. Like, it's just awkward because he is older than me. Um, I think I'm 15 at this point. He's 19. So as a mom, like, clearly my mom's not very comfortable with it, but... She kind of is more accepting of it now that I am older and the age range is just a little bit less awkward, I guess. Um, so I put my mom and my stepdad at Red Robin, which is where my sister was working at the time. And I text him. So he comes to meet us at the Red Robin and we have dinner and, you know, we're all laughing. It's a good time. Like my mom sees that he's different than he was before. Um, Tyler kind of picked back up his religion. He's going to church and Bible studies and trying to get his GED and just working on himself and doing good. So my mom's seen this and so she's approving of him. And so that night I'm like, well, can he drive me home? Like, is that okay? And my mom approves of it and I'm like, well, I'm just surprised. Cause it's like my first night back, I believe. So that freedom was something I wasn't really used to feel my dad where it's more I was kind of on lockdown I guess so me and Tyler go outside and he pulls out this little box and I'm in shock I'm not I'm in shock I'm not really expecting anything like oh well it's a gift and it was this ring and it was like a promise ring it wasn't an engagement ring clearly we're too young for that but he basically put it on my finger and told me, like, this is my promise that one day when I can get you something nicer and we're older, like, we're going to do it right. We're going to get married. And I never had anything like that. So I'm kind of overflowing with emotion. Like, this guy just loves me for who I am and I can be myself around him. And he's choosing to have me around. He's not my family. He isn't, isn't forced to deal with me like he wants me to be like, and that's a good feeling when in all other aspects you kind of feel pushed away from people. Things were getting serious between Crystal and Tyler. Maybe a little too serious. And so that night we end up in the parking lot in the back seat of the car. Um, I mean, probably know what's going on back there, but uh, you hear a knock on the window and it ends up being a cop. A cop catches us having sex. And so immediately I'm like, he is older than me. Like, what is, what's going to happen? So I get dressed, he gets dressed, and we're out there in the cold, and the cop is running our name. And I'm just sitting there, and I'm not very religious, like I've said before. So I'm sitting there praying, like, just don't take my boyfriend away from me. Like, this is the only good thing I have. Like, I can't lose this. Um... And the cop comes back and is like, okay, y'all are both clear to go. I just don't want to see y'all again. And so Tyler takes me on that night and drops me off. And it's just a little bit awkward because I can tell he's shaken by it. Like, who wouldn't be? 
So I'm nervous, like, is he gonna, is this gonna make him run away? Is this gonna be the thing that makes him leave? And I text him that night, and I'm just like, hey, so can I go to church with you on Sunday? Like, maybe this is the change that I need. He's a little bit surprised at first because he knew that my needs were different. But he was like, yeah, great. And so that started being a thing we did together. We would go to church, and there was this Bible study in his neighborhood we started going to. But the bliss would soon come to an end for Crystal and Tyler. It was about six months that I was in Georgia, and Tyler was at my house. My mom was supposed to be going to work that day. And, you know, he's like, we're in the bed together. And he's like, I think I heard somebody come up the stairs. I'm like, no, that's probably just my stepbrother. It's fine. Like, whatever. My mom's gone for work. And my mom wasn't gone for work. And she comes in the room, and I hear her voice before I see her. Like, she was like, Get the fuck off my daughter. And I've never heard my mom say the F word, so I'm like, like, I'm in trouble. Like, this is not good. And so, you know, he's just telling her, like, I love her. We're in love. Like, it's not, I'm not in it for this. Like, we're just in love. We can't help it. And he just keeps saying that over and over again. Like, we're in love. We're in love. And she makes him leave. Um, My mom takes my cell phone. And... It kind of just seems life sharing. Like, I'm watching him drive away and knowing, like, my mom's not going to let him come over anymore. Like, this is a big issue. Like, my mom's not going to be cool with that. I'm thinking, well, I'm not going to be able to see him anymore. Like, this is going to change the whole dynamic of our relationship. Like, am I, are we going to have to go back to sneaking around? I don't want to have to go back to keeping all these secrets because I already have so many secrets that I'm keeping like that starts to pile up on your conscience after a while for a teenage crystal the struggle of keeping secrets would overcome her so whenever I had been in the alternative school in 7th grade there was this boy named Zach and he showed me like he was a cutter so I knew that that was a thing um, like people cut themselves kind of to release their pain so I tried doing that. Like, I didn't know how to do it, really, or where to cut. Like, so I'm cutting my arm, and it's these small, itty-bitty scratches. Like, it's very superficial. And my mom finds out about it, and she calls the police, and they take me to the hospital. And I'm committed to, like, a mental ward. But I, I did remember, like, wanting to die, like, just feeling like it's over, like, this is the one good thing in my life. Like, if he's gone, what else do I really have to live for? Like, what else is there? On April 29th of 2011, when Crystal's mother checked her into University Hospital, Crystal shared with us her medical reports. Her history with mental illness reads in part, This is a 14-year-old female with a history of ADHD. The patient states that she feels like her mother and father do not love her. The patient's mother reports that her daughter's behavioral problems have been increasing for the last couple of months with increased irritability. The patient reports that she had one prior suicide attempt or possible suicide gesture where she wrapped a belt around her neck but did not pull it tight. Crystal's great-aunt Brenda remembers having a conversation with Michael about Crystal's suicide attempts. 
he did tell me, you know, um, that he was tired of Crystal. He, something, he, he just gonna give up on her. He's done with her. And I said, well, Mike, if he, she kills herself, what are you gonna say? You know, and I don't know whether that made him a difference to him, but that's how I felt, you know. This is a lost child, and you're gonna give up on her. Sheila will go down the drain. I'd always had a feeling, even before I was diagnosed, thinking that something was kind of different about me than other people, but it wasn't something I could really talk about because my family is so not open to discussion, discussing their emotions or what's going on that I don't feel like I can come out and be like, hey, sometimes I feel like this or sometimes I feel like that. So instead, I'm just bottling it all up, and that's kind of making the issue worse than it already is. I had received a diagnosis of a personality disorder. I am still unaware of, like, the full diagnosis that I was given because being a juvenile, they didn't tell me any of these things. They gave my dad the paperwork about it, and he kind of just tucked it away. I never saw any of it at the time. So I'm still not really understanding like what's going on, like what's wrong with me. I didn't find out until later, but they had diagnosed me with histrionic personality disorder. According to the Cleveland Clinic, histrionic personality disorder, or HPD, is a mental health condition marked by unstable emotions, a distorted self-image, and an overwhelming desire to be noticed. People with HPD often behave dramatically or inappropriately to get attention. It felt like an unfair diagnosis to me, honestly, because I never felt like anything that I did was to seek attention. Like, they weren't really even talking to me about what I was feeling or who I was. They always talked to my dad, so I felt like, how can you diagnose me when you're not evaluating me as a person? You're... You're going off things that another person is telling you about me. Crystal spent five days in the child and adolescent psychiatric unit, but it was an incident between her parents during a family visit that made headlines in her medical reports. During a family session at the psychiatric unit, Crystal's dad would make a startling claim. There was like a family therapy session, and during that, you know, it's my mom and stepdad on one side of the table and my dad on the other. And since the time when my dad was arrested um, for showing up at my court hearing, all three of them have not been face-to-face. So in my head, I'm like, what's going to happen? Like, what's... What if something bad happens? And I, I'm just not really knowing what to expect from my dad. Because even though I had saw those changes in him while I was gone, the memory of who he was while I was staying with him did kind of stick in my brain. And the worry from that did appear. So I, I assume they were like maybe like hostile towards each other. But something led up to the therapist that seated in between them to say to my dad, well, 
do you feel like you have unresolved emotions towards your ex-wife and that's why you're feeling this way? And my dad replied to me, he said, the only feelings I have toward her are homicidal feelings. And at that point, they take my dad, um, separate him from the situation, and he is evaluated himself. He's not detained or um, kept overnight. It was a short evaluation. Um, he just spoke with a therapist, and I don't know what he said to them, but they let him go. Yeah, he, he's laughing about it afterward, but I know, I know in my heart, like, he was not... He was, I feel like he was joking about it afterward, like, when he's telling me about it, but I feel like him saying that was not a joke. Like, I feel like he sincerely did have homicidal feelings. The incident is noted in Crystal's medical reports. It says that Michael blamed Christina for Crystal's hospitalization and that it was because of Christina that they were not together. Michael then stated he was having homicidal thoughts towards his ex-wife and stated that she better hope that he and she never meet in a dark corner. He admitted to having had past homicidal thoughts and he agreed to talk to a doctor where he again said he lost everything because of Christina. Michael was then escorted out by security. Crystal's great aunt Brenda remembers the troubling encounter. He never said he was wanted to do anything illegal, no, to me. You know, he just was, you could tell he was so angry that he could. He told me, when, you know, when he was in, when they were with the counselor and were over Chris, Crystal, uh, they were down in with the counselor and the counselor asked Mike, says, well, I think you're still in love with your wife or something to that effect. How do you feel about her? He said, I could kill her, you know, and of course they locked him up right away. Well, then he gets out, you know, they put him in the psych ward. Then he gets out and it comes up again. He's about to say the same thing. You know, it's like, this is what he, what he felt. This is what he's thought. He ain't going, he won't hold it back. Even Crystal's boyfriend, Tyler, knew the push and pull Crystal felt with her parents. The dad was very angry at the mom. The mom did not like the dad, and I think they just passed her back and forth as a, you know, hey, it's your turn to take care of him. I, have, I hate you. You take care of her now. It's your, it's your fault. I have to deal with her. And then when her dad, I don't know, like I said, I don't know how the dad felt, but I, guess, well, I know he had resistance for mom, but maybe that's why he also felt that way to Crystal. And they were just, you know, more that he was angry at her mom, so he may have took stuff out on her. We reached out to Crystal's mother, Christina, multiple times. She has never responded to our request for an interview. After her release from the state facility, Crystal moves back to North Carolina with her dad, away again from Tyler and her mom. I talked to my dad before we left, and he had told me, he was like, you know, things are gonna be different. Like, I came down here because I love you. Clearly, she doesn't care about me. She had you committed. She can work through these issues herself. Like, I don't think she's fit to be the one that takes care of you. Um, 
you come back home, you can move downstairs to the bigger bedroom. Um, the dogs miss you too. I'm not the only one. Like, just come home and see how things go. I'll show you that this time is going to be different. I feel like home is about the people you're around um, and the feelings that you feel when you're around them. Um, so even though my dad's house was not where I grew up, it wasn't our, my childhood home, um, I always thought of home as wherever my dad went. Like, when things weren't bad, he made me so happy in the fact that any time that I am in trouble, like with the mental hospital, he's the one that's willing to drive to come get me. Um, he's the one that shows up when I need him. He's the one that... I'm sorry. He, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. He's the one that would have that would write letters when I'm gone. And I would always know if I called him, he would answer the phone. Um, so to remember that, that loyalty and that love kind of overrides any pain that someone can show you because my mom, I believe she loved me, but she, she, her intention was on other things in life. Whereas my dad's main focus was me. Was me. All, I was the only one he had to focus on. So all of his time and energy, was kind of given to me. Um, yeah. Going back to North Carolina, though, meant she'd be back with her best friend, Summer. She did not go back to her mother's house because she apparently couldn't follow the rules there. But I think her mom's just lazy. Just going to be the point. <laughs> she doesn't want anything. She doesn't want to deal with anything that's going to be slightly more engaging or more difficult. And it, I'm sorry, but raising a kid isn't easy. <laughs> it's not supposed to be. There's not a handbook. Did Crystal seem more pissed off about the relationship with her mom or more sad about it? I would say it was more sad, but it definitely came off as anger. She definitely portrayed it as anger. Back on the mountaintop, both fresh out of the psych ward, dad and daughter fall back into their daily routines, which includes Michael's erratic mood swings. We had this big chandelier um, hanging from the ceiling uh, over a staircase. So my dad had to get a ladder to change the light bulbs on the chandelier because it's higher up. And so I'm standing there holding the ladder and I'm handing him the light bulb. And all of a sudden, I guess I wasn't paying attention or the ladder shook, something happened, but he jumped down off the ladder and it kind of startled me because I'm like, what is he doing? And he started accusing me of trying to kill him, trying to throw him off the ladder. And I'm just in shock and he grabs me and pushes me backward over the railing of the stairs and is basically just yelling at me and I'm just trying to hold on, like I'm not really sure what made this happen like what's going on like I'm confused and next thing you know I'm falling and I hit down at the bottom of my hip bone I remember I kind of hit it on the stairs I landed my stomach and all of my breath just like blew out of me and I'm shocked I'm like he threw me down the stairs like what happened 
like, it stunned me a little bit. And next thing you know, he's, he's running down the stairs. So I kind of curl up defensively because I'm thinking, is going to hit me? Am I going to get kicked? Like, what's about to happen? And he's kneeling down next to me trying to make sure I'm okay. Like, and I see this worry in his eyes, and I'm just like, thrown off. Like, he just threw me down the stairs, and now you're worried about it. And he told me, um, he said it was an accident. And I went in my room for a little while. And I woke up, like, in the middle of the night with severe pains. And I'm, I'm not understanding what's happening. Like, is this period cramps? Because I see that there's blood on the sheet. And I'm like, oh, I just started my period in the middle of the night, I guess. I don't, I didn't know. Um, so I never had period cramps before. But I'm going upstairs to get in the bathtub to kind of see if that helps the pain. And I run the bath water hot and it's seems to make it worse. So I'm like, well, maybe I'll try cold water. So I try cold water and that makes it way worse. So I go back to hot water. And then I'm like, well, maybe I need to use the bathroom. I don't, I don't know. So I go and sit on the toilet and I just, I don't, I don't want to be gross, but it was like a mass of blood, like a, this is gonna sound disgusting, but it looked like a can of cranberry sauce. And I see it in the toilet and I'm like, at first it doesn't really register in my mind like what it is. And I flush it before I can even think about it. Like, I, I don't know, is that from where I got off birth control? Like, and not had a period for a while? Is that a baby? Like, I don't, I don't really know what's going on, but I just flush it. And then I realized, like, well, that might have been a baby. On the next episode of Killing Dad, more violent mayhem on the mountaintop. He hits me across my jaw with a piece of wood. And he's on top of me with the stick over my throat like a bar. He's got a hand on each side and it's pressed against my neck and I'm pinned to the ground like that. And a runaway situation turns all too real. I get in the car with him and he stops by a fast food restaurant and gets me something to eat. And the next thing I know, I wake up in a trailer in another state. 